Greetings, everyone, and welcome to episode 10 of The Flight Stuff, the world's premier Alpha Flight podcast. I'm Liam O'Donnell, uh, one of your wonderful hosts here, and also a man about town, if you know what I mean. I'm Adriana Gober, managing editor of Cinepunks. And I'm Doug Tilly, a contributor to Cinepunks.com. We are so glad you've joined us here for our first double-digit episode, uh, as well as our foray into... uh, uh, more issues of the wonderful Alpha Flight comic book. Uh, before we jump in here, we have three issues to cover, including a double-sized end-of-year issue, mm-hmm. a very important storyline as well. Uh, before all that, we just want to say a few things up front. One is thank you to all of our uh, supporters of Cinepunks.com on Patreon. We appreciate all of you. Uh, thank you to our uh, sponsor at Cinepunks.com, which is Lehigh Valley Apparel Creations. Look, you know you want some bootleg Alpha Flight shirts. You know you want to do it. Just pick a page, <laughs> copy it, send it to xlvacx at gmail.com or go to their website, xvlvacx.com and say, yo, guys, I want this on a shirt. And guess what? They're going to hook you up. Personable, professional, punks. But they do good work. Imagine all of the irresponsibility of film punks, but then they are good at their jobs. It's a weird combo, but they got it down. X, LVACX.com. All of that out of the way. Uh, we also want to thank, I don't know if we've said this on here enough, but we get a lot of great emails. We do. And we love all of them. <laughs> but there's someone in particular we want to bring up. Doug, what, what is this email we got from Norm from the Hammer? Yeah, this is from Norm Donovan. I don't know if he wanted us to say his last name, but there it is. Uh, He (laughs) sent us uh, an email alerting us to something that's very important. He says, getting caught up on episode eight right now. And if you're looking for Canadians to replace Doug, I'll just point out that I'm finishing up a full sleeve Alpha Flight tattoo. I say if Doug, if he wants to keep a spot, nothing short of a full size Marina back tattoo will do. He says, just kidding, guys. Love the podcast. Keep up the great work. And Norm sent along some photos of his full sleeve Alpha Flight tattoo, Liam, and despite the fact that those uh, the images on his body maybe contain some spoilers for me, I was very impressed with the work, even though, of course, uh, I would never let uh, my body be uh, uh, disgraced with a tattoo like that. Yeah, because you're a crazy religious zealot. We all know exactly. This, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, I can't be buried on consecrated ground, right? <laughs> uh, if you want to see his uh, amazing tattoo, which I re- I was in fact very impressed by, my tone of voice suggests I was not. But actually, I was like, wow, my man really did it. It looks, it all looks very good. Uh, you can go. He's on Instagram uh, at Alpha Flight Tat. Which is which is a big commitment. I'm I'm sure the Instagram has other pictures besides pictures of his tattoo, but you can see pictures of his tattoo uh, on Instagram at Alpha Flight Tat. Uh, and unfortunately, hey, Liam, he took the the Instagram name for our eventual merchandise, which of course right. would also be Alpha Flight Tat. Yeah. Oh, one hundred percent. I was already starting to design those fake tattoo sleeves that you could just pull on. <laughs> And it was just various Alpha Flight characters, you know. Although Make a full body one with Marina on the back, Liam. I yeah. will purchase it, send the photo over, and it'd be like, I can keep my spot as the token Canadian on this podcast. I mean, I, I just felt like we were never going to come to like agreement on it because you wanted all the pictures to be erotic, and I just wasn't okay with that. Uh, I mean, I think any pictures of the members of Alpha Flight are in some way erotic. Yeah, that's fair. That's why I'm here. <laughs> Um, okay, y'all, we have uh, three issues to get through. 
Um, so we're going to jump on uh, right in here with Alpha Flight, Volume 1, number 22 from May 1985, uh, written and penciled by John Byrne, cover, of course, by the man John Byrne. Doug, what happens in this issue? Okay, Liam, this uh, issue's story is called Rub Out. Uh, now, you remember how the last storyline ended with Aurora unable to control her personalities? Well, that comes to a head here. She suddenly lapses into her Jean-Marie persona. She flies away from Walter to find her brother in Quebec. Uh, Jean-Paul, uh, a.k.a. North Star, is very happy to welcome her, uh, hoping that they can reform their superhero partnership. Sorry, got turned around on my notes here. Uh, and he takes her to the circus for some reason to meet his friend Clementine D'Arbanville, who has uh, requested Northstar's help in dealing with a, a woman named Pink Pearl, who is the sideshow fat lady at this uh, carnival. Um, they do reiterate that name a couple times in the issue. I don't like saying it. Overhearing their discussion, Pink Pearl bursts in, knocks out all three of them, ties them up under the big top, and explains that she has a plan to uh, blow up a meeting between the Canadian and American leaders who are developing a laser defense system against nuclear weapons. Uh, she's going to pin the attack on Jean-Paul and Clementine since they were both members of a militant Quebec separatist group in the past. This is a big reveal in this issue, which we'll talk about. Thankfully, uh, Jean-Marie returns to her Aurora personality. She saves the day. However, afterwards, uh, she voices suspicion about her brother's controversial and mysterious past. Uh, while this is going on, Heather and Elizabeth, they're walking around Vancouver. And Heather briefly uh, sees a person who she thinks is her late husband. Uh, and then remember Box, the uh, the robot guy that we talked about several issues back? With the help of Madison Jeffries, he's now upgraded his armor. And he's ready to get revenge on those who killed Vindicator. Uh, this is one of the rare issues, Liam, where the sub-story uh, is a lot more important than the main story in a lot of ways. <laughs> I think that's fair. But before we jump into this uh, kind of a intense issue when it comes to certain details and not so intense when it comes <laughs> to the plot, I want to talk about this cover. Mm. Uh, Adriana, what do you think of this cover uh, uh, for issue number 22? Well... Let me just describe the cover first. So we're confronted with this large and imposing presence in the form of Pink Pearl, who is a character we'll talk more about later. Uh, but she's got this smug little smirk on her face because she has a North Star literally underfoot and Aurora tighten her clutches as well, struggling to break free. And in terms of craft, it's a solid cover. Um, the sight line is angled upwards, so our view is drawn... Uh, upwards towards Pearl, and Byrne uses perspective to really emphasize her size and her, her looming presence and, and the threat she poses, and it's very effective. Um, that being said, I find the likelihood of this situation a little questionable. <laughs> um, I don't know about you guys, but I don't take kindly to my favorite character getting completely owned <laughs> by some rando, um, especially when his skill set would dictate much better odds for him. And, and the same goes for Aurora, honestly. And um, to be fair, they, they were caught off, off guard in this situation, but it's still... Well, we can talk more about this later when we get to the meat of the issue. Um but having said all that, uh, it sure does make for a dramatic cover, which I'm sure is what Byrne was going for. So uh, I guess I have to cop to being a bit of a hypocrite here because last episode I chastised Liam and Doug 
for uh, nitpicking the typography, but I do not like the typography on this cover. <laughs> I feel like I was being addressed directly in the last episode about that. And I'm glad that you've come over to my side, Adriana, because come on, that looks terrible. <laughs> it, it really does. Just this one instance. It's just very garish. <laughs> just that color combination and also um, the uh, typeface. Well, you know, Doug, we got Adriana over here trying to, to shame this cover for its awful typography. Well, I mean, I, I will go all in on how awful that typography looks. Yeah, it's really uh, bad. <laughs> but in terms of the cover, look, whether you like this cover or not is probably going to be determined by how much you care for this brand new character, Pink Pearl, um, who, who I don't think is given much. Her motivation is a little unclear in the issue proper. I mean, we know that she's working for somebody who wants to blow up the world leaders of the U.S. and Canada. But aside from that, she's just a very large woman. And that's that like there's no suggestion that she has any abilities or powers. The fact that she's kind of manhandling Aurora and North Star on the cover, it, it doesn't really get reflected in the issue itself because they get knocked out kind of because she has other people helping her and things like that. Right. And in fact, once any of them start using their actual powers against her, she goes down fairly easily. In fact, I didn't mention how she... Let's talk about that in a little bit, how she gets taken out in this issue. It's not very pleasant. But just going back to the cover itself, it's hard to... It's hard for me to imagine, again, and I, I always mention this when we're talking about covers, seeing this cover as like a 10 or 11 year old and being like this, I got to see, I have to see how this large woman somehow interacts with these characters. Aside from the fact that North star is on the cover and I'm like, I want to see what's up with North star. So that's almost enough for me to check it out uh, proper. It's, it's not that great. And I don't like pink Pearl. I think she's terrible as a character from what I've seen so far. So I'm just going to give this a big, uh, I don't enjoy it at all. We're going to get into the story here in a second, but I think Doug and Adriana, you both bring up all the correct sort of things about this cover. There's a lot of problems. There's some things that might be fine, but but there's a lot of things I don't love. Uh, but I think it, it does, as Doug points out, pull into the story. And, and this is something I'm starting to suspect about John Byrne specifically. It might be true of other artist writers as well, but sometimes it feels like he develops a character simply by drawing something he likes how it looks mm. and then only later does he go like so what is this who is this i don't know who this is and he yeah like he reverse engineer yeah and so like uh i think it's worth pointing out when we get into the story here that um pink pearl supposedly has a team but we only see one of those team members in action enough for them to have an identity and it's a character named bones who's like a a, a contortionist who's very skinny i guess also throws knives because they throw a <laughs> knife later uh i don't know if bones is a man or a woman i can't t- i don't know what i don't know if they ever say but the point is is that we have a very large character and a very thin character and i just feel like he probably just drew those two characters and thought let's throw them in something they that's a thing here's the thing i made uh, let's just do that because the story is just so thin and um they don't seem developed other than how they look i mean even bones like okay he's a contortionist he's very thin okay that's it like i don't there, there's not a lot to either one of these characters other than how they look and the contrast between them but i don't know maybe i'm, I'm reading too much into it liam i don't mean to correct you but we do get to see some more of her gang in the issue even though they're not given much of a, a spotlight but they don't do yeah they don't 
they don't do anything right they don't stand out in any way they yeah. just hold machine guns yeah they don't differentiate you you can't tell anything about their personalities or who they exactly. are exactly 100 that's what i'm saying bones is the only character who like uh has a name and does anything besides pink pearl uh and what bones does is jump through a window <laughs> hold door star which again uh we'll, we'll get into that in a second and then throws a knife those are the things that bones does uh Let's go back here. Let's start out with this story, which begins with a very upset, bikini-clad, not Aurora, but Jean-Marie showing up at uh, uh, Northstar's house. Um, uh, Adriana, what do you think of this, at least this beginning part of the story, this setup for the story? Where did this this, uh, start you out on this uh, comic? Well, it's definitely a startling image to see her standing there in the doorway looking pretty fragile and, and barely clothed. And then as as the story progresses, you sort of you sort of learn how she got there and it gets problematic fast. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, she has another psychotic episode, essentially. And it's not I, I would not say it's handled very sensitively or delicately. But, you know, basically, she is on a boat with Walter and she has this episode and she flees and goes to see her brother. And then it transitions to Heather and Elizabeth. I just should mention that we do get to see a little more of North Star's roommates uh, in this issue. Are they his? Are they? I couldn't figure out if they were his roommates or if they were just like his help. Oh, maybe. I, I guess that... he, ha- he has money. He does order the woman around. <laughs> I mean, that's fully possible. It, it does seem a little bit confusing why someone who's world famous, a uh, world famous athlete, would need to have roommates, but. Maybe again, we we're we're always looking for little winks and nods here in the uh, in the Alpha Flight comics. Well, we definitely get one later on. Oh yeah, I I do want to stay here real quick and just point out the big revelation of this section is that now Jean Marie has access to Aurora's powers. Yes, which right. was a big difference. Um, and so all it seems to suggest is that uh, Walter Langowski's experiment just managed to smush the two things together and not, you know, the two personalities together and not really do anything else than that. So now sometimes Aurora is scared like Jean-Marie and sometimes Jean-Marie can fly. That's that's basically, it seems to be the <laughs> right. big accomplishment we had. Um, then, as you pointed out, there is this interlude. Uh, you know, I, I want to go to you, Doug, on this, on this uh, because I think me and Adriana have read enough Alpha Flight to have some thoughts about this that are maybe a little more advanced. But as our uh, as our you know uh, new guy here, uh-huh. what did you think about this uh, this street scene where Heather sees Mac? How did that hit you as a reader? Poor Heather. Obviously, yeah. she has been so distraught and damaged by the death of her husband that she's seeing things. Because I can't imagine a comic ever pulling a bait and switch <laughs> and bringing right. that character back in some form. That would be idiotic. We saw him wither away and die in front of our very eyes. So I really hope she gets the help that she needs because this was obviously not what she thought she saw. It definitely when I saw this, no, no even knowing, even fully knowing where this storyline is going and being well aware of it, seeing this scene, I thought, ah, oh, God, come on. Leave her, leave Heather alone. What's going on? Here? <laughs> Why are we doing this right now? Even though I already knew some where this is headed and what this is about, there's a part of me that immediately was like, "Ah, come on, this let's not do this." Uh, so after this, uh, you know, uh, Jean Paul, you know, brings Jean Marie to the circus uh, to meet up with a friend of his, and he's immediately kissed by a woman, which he finds very upsetting. <laughs> 
there's something he's not excited about it's that kiss uh and that's how we're introduced to this pink pearl character uh adriana pink pearl bursts in do you think this is a character that's going to be around for the future of alpha flight i mean uh, do i think or do i know (laughs) do you think or do you know i mean just the introduction i mean we kind of know but you know what i mean like everything about her to me sort of screamed like one-off character I, I don't know what 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 did you think i'm in agreement with you on that I, I also just want to talk a little bit about here so the the you know pink pearl comes in she's immediately threatening uh jean paul's friend who by the way is just his friend just to be clear just his friend uh mm-hmm. and uh mm-hmm. and as he's sort of acting tough with her creepy skinny guy jumps in through the window and and wraps him on up and this is this is my question to you the suggestion is that the the trailer i guess they're in is too small for him to use his powers i think that's i mean here's honestly uh part of the of what annoys me about this issue is the fact that north star basically becomes totally ineffectual out yeah. of plot convenience basically for no other reason yeah. and i think that is i don't know as as a a north star fan it's kind of frustrating I have a question for the both of you because you might know better than myself. So North Star, his power is that he can move really fast and he can fly, right? Yeah, and also of, of course when he touches, when he and Aurora touch, they have <laughs> this this bioluminescent thing. Going they make on. a bright light. Yeah. My question is, does that mean that he can punch people really fast, right? Because he can go really. Is it just running fast, or can he just move his body really fast? See, no, this is my issue, Doug. It's not even clear that he can run fast. Like, it, it seems like he can only go amazingly fast when he's flying. Hmm. I feel like his powers have been very inconsistent over the years. He can move super quickly, and he can punch super quickly, and... They literally... Sh- his body's... I- yeah, there, there's all <laughs> kinds of stuff going on with, like, with him on a molecular level, but it's, like, never... It's always just kind of, like, whatever the writer wants to do. I think the whole idea that he moves quickly other than flying is retcon. Yeah. Because there's a situation that we read, I forget which issue it was, where he like can't respond fast enough because he's not flying. And I was like, that's stupid. <laughs> like I don't I don't like that. So anyways, the, the, our 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 two heroes and their saucy circus friend uh get basically taken out by a large lady and her skinny friend. Um <laughs> The, the box thing seems sort of uh, not too relevant right now, but it, it will be in the future. Uh, but it's just a reminder, I can't wait till Box joins the team because I like him as a character. You know what? I, I've only seen him a very small amount, but I'm a big fan. And that's this is the sort of character that I think the team could use. Boy, I hope he sticks around. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm pretty excited about that. And, uh, and then Aurora wakes up as Aurora. And this is a situation I, that I think, Adriana, you were alluding to earlier, that she wakes up. She realizes she doesn't know where she is. Yeah. Takes <laughs> a survey around. And then she says... And just what is Jean Paul doing here with a woman? Yeah, and the woman point. is bolded for emphasis. <laughs> so clearly, clearly Jean Marie knows what's up. <laughs> what? I come on. I mean, am I crazy that that is just ridiculous? Like that's even if, <laughs> even if he was fully out. 
you wouldn't be like, oh my gosh, my gay brother is with a woman. Like, he's not <laughs> making out with a woman. They're not, like, on a date together. They just happen to all be captured together. I don't under- I don't know. I- Being gay makes him have the cootie gene where he can't <laughs> be, be around any women. So. <laughs> <sighs> so, you know, they get the whole the evil plan reveal, whatever, whatever. Um, does this story matter? I mean, I don't even want to talk about it. Anymore. Does this story matter for anything other than the last thing well, we're going to talk about here, which is his past? Is there anything else interesting about this story other than the reveal of uh, some nefarious stuff, which we're going to talk about in a second here? I think the only other two items of note uh, about the story are things that we've already touched upon which is that heather thinks she sees mac right and uh box is reintroduced and he comes into play later on in issue number 24 in a, in a very pivotal way but other than that no i i think this this last uh bullet point we have is really the the most significant development in the issue so uh it's revealed that uh that um the reason that uh jean Paul actually knows a woman, which is, again, unfathomable, is because he used to be a terrorist, which is the only explanation for a gay man knowing a woman <laughs> in any form, is uh, because they had a, a radical political past together. So uh, uh, it's revealed that Jean-Paul was part of uh, the uh, separatist movement in, in Quebec, uh, and that him and his friend were specifically part of uh, of uh, the FLQ, I guess, right? Is that is that fair? Now they don't. I don't know if they ever will say that specifically, but there's a strong suggestion right. in this. I mean, if you talk about you know a, a, a radical separatist movement in the 1970s, then you're probably talking about the FLQ. Sure. Yeah, that makes sense. So, I mean, Doug, I, I kind of want to go to you as our resident Canadian here. Um, this is kind of a big reveal, and you know, we've we've had some hint that. Uh, that Northstar has a bit of a textured past, but nothing quite so uh, that could be read so nefarious as this. What do you think about this as both as a Canadian, as a reader of Alpha Flight, whatever, whatever? What What is your take? It's an interesting twist. I mean, I think at this point it would probably be clear to a Canadian reading Alpha Flight that uh, that Northstar is supposed to be a Quebec separatist in some way. That he, you know, that that he thinks of himself as a French Canadian. Not sorry, not as a French Canadian, but as someone from Quebec first and foremost. Um, and you know, even the fact that uh, you know he prefers to speak in French. There's a lot of aspects of his character that within Canada are seen as almost cliched about people from French Canada. Uh, and you know, the the separatist movement is not something that has gone away. It's still uh, a big deal within Quebec itself. There was a referendum in the 1990s. This is a uh, a large contingent of People in Quebec think that Quebec should separate from the rest of Canada. This is a, a thing that has been going on for many decades, and it probably reached ahead in the 1970s uh, through this group, the Front de Libération de Quebec, which is the Quebec Liberation Front, which is kind of this radical separatist movement that uh, they were involved in many violent incidents throughout the decade. They killed eight people. They injured a whole lot. But they're probably best known in this country for something called the October Crisis in 1970, where they kidnapped um, a British trade commissioner and uh, and uh, murdered him. Uh, one of the, a group, a kind of a, um, a a small grouping of the FLQ did it, and it led to a state of emergency being called 
in Canada. And it was like, I mean, this is something that's taught in like history classes. Most Canadians would know the FLQ specifically for the October crisis and the response to that. So the, this is probably something that John Byrne would have known pretty intimately when it occurred. And I can see how he would have kind of wanted because of the things that he knows about Canada to put this as an aspect of the character. But it's very controversial. And you can see why I hope that they <laughs> they tread somewhat delicately with it. But uh, I don't have a lot of confidence in that. But, I mean, it is a big enough deal. Um, it, I guess it would be somewhat comparative to something like the Weather Underground in the United States. You know, that that's sort of uh, what someone's reputation might be for being part of something like that. But, uh, but yeah, so it's kind of a big deal. It's a big twist for the character. And uh, I wonder if it's going to put him at odds with the rest of Alpha Flight. You know, the only thing I want to say about this is, like, on one hand, it, it makes a lot of sense comic book-wise because Marvel loves redeemed villains. I mean, think about uh, Wolverine, Hawkeye, uh, the Black Knight, uh, even Wonder Man. These are all people that were bad, and now they're good. Mm. In the 80s, Magneto became the leader of the X-Men. You know, like, right. like I think this idea right. of, the, of a dark past makes a lot of sense. But then, usually those dark pasts are total fictions. Uh, this is, I think, one of the few examples of like a hero who we find out has a dark past that's connected to actual real-world tragedy. That doesn't yeah. happen quite as often. There's also um, a suggestion that there's no suggestion in this issue that he's repentant about it. There's no he doesn't he doesn't say, oh, those are crazy days. I really regret it or anything like that. It's just a part of his past. It, there's a, you know, there's at least you could interpret it as that. Yeah, I still have a lot of those beliefs. I just don't choose to you know, follow them out violently. Especially since he basically wants nothing to do with Canada, Canada's premier fighting force. It doesn't exactly, exactly build the case. <laughs> uh, okay, well, I, I think uh, we'll see more about that. There's probably more we could say a little bit, but I think we'll see more about that storyline into the future. So uh, let's put it on the, the back burner as we move on. So uh, since we've covered uh, a little bit of North Star's dark past, uh, let's talk a little about the art in this issue. Um, did anything stick out for y'all as particularly good, particularly bad? Let's start with you, Doug. Was there something that you found striking in this issue one way or the other? I have to say, Liam, Clementine's hair Hell yeah. is awful. <laughs> oh, man, I thought you were going to say it rules. <laughs> I, it's not that it, it's bad in terms of a hairstyle necessarily. The way it's drawn <laughs> looks super uncomfortable to me. <laughs> like it's some sort of Brillo pad or something along those lines. Um, I... There isn't a lot I can really say about the art in this issue. The only part that I really that really stood out to me was when Heather initially thought that she saw James on the street. I think it's really moody. The fact that it's pouring rain and uh, even that foreground character that might be James with the water running down him. I, I really like that. It, I think it, 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 it has a kind of stylization that I really enjoy. The circus stuff, I, I would have preferred it be a little more wacky and colorful if they're going that direction anyway. And boy, the... The design of Pearl does nothing for me. I mean, I really like the design of Pearl when it was the blob. I mean, but, it's the same uh, thing, right? It's just, it is really the it's same character. It literally... He, it is, absolutely. He literally redrew the blob as a woman. That's mm. all it is. That's the entire design work. Uh, Adriana, what's that got to you in the art of this issue? I kind of just agree with pretty much everything Doug said. I guess the only thing I'd like to add is that... Um, I like the way Byrne drew, draws phases in this issue. Mm, There's some yeah. really good... Um, expressive phases um reacting to things yeah i agree there's a couple of shots like oh, they would you would think of them as reaction shots if this was a movie um but they're just panels in the comic book that are really intense and really work 
uh, mm-hmm. very well, including, I would say, the final image of Aurora basically chastising Northstar for being, you know, a terrorist. Uh is really intense and really well done and there's a few shots a few shots i keep saying shots a few panels like that that i think are very uh impressive but overall i'm with you too it's not super it's it's not as striking as burn can be uh there's nothing terrible there's nothing like off model or anything like that but there's very few things that i'm like oh that's cool it's mostly just a you know a kind of a surface issue when it comes to the art uh that being said let's move into issue number 23 a very important issue in a lot of ways uh from june 1985 uh written in pencil by john berg covered by john Byrne. um doug what happens in this explosive issue night of the beast liam i hope you missed the relationship between snowbird and doug thompson because you're in for a treat so this issue starts with snowbird she is suffering terrible visions uh, with the northern gods they're accusing her of neglecting her mission to destroy the great beast you might remember from the early issues of alpha flight she they the group are taking out some of these great beasts sort of her mission on the planet she protests but then they show her how she's avoided confronting the monster in her midst and they show that it's sasquatch very very surprising so the other members of alpha flight they're back in vancouver they're fighting a giant robot which actually i really love we'll talk about that uh, but after Sa- Sasquatch dispatches it, his wild side, which he's been worried about lately, starts to take over, and he ends up being attacked by Snowbird. The other members are confused, but Snowbird explains that Walter's attempt to copy Bruce Banner's experiments actually tapped into some sort of cosmic barrier, with his Sasquatch form actually being that of the evil Tadarak, uh, who's been gaining strength that has now basically taken over him entirely. Snowbird takes the form of, of a Sasquatch herself, like a white Sasquatch, and the two beasts battle until Snowbird rips out Sasquatch's heart... Uh, the group is shocked, particularly Jean- Jean-Marie, until Snowbird alerts them that Walter's soul may still be alive in the realm of the beasts. All right, let's talk about this cover. Start at the beginning here with issue number 23. We've got uh, familiar Sasquatch fighting uh, Snowbird's uh, uh, basically albino Sasquatch. Reverse Sasquatch. Uh, reverse, <laughs> yeah, the reverse Sasquatch. Uh, and, you know, it says at the bottom, secret of Sasquatch. Uh, <laughs> Doug, the unbelievable you, secret of Sasquatch. Unbelievable. Uh, Doug, what do you think about this cover? I love it. Well, I really, really like it. I mean, you give me two hairy bees throwing fisticuffs. That's all I need, right? I mean, and and frankly, Sasquatch, we've been kind of waiting for this sort of wild side aspect to t- take over. It's very intriguing to see him battle another of himself in this, uh, on this cover, and makes me intrigued, especially with the other members of Alpha Flight kind of left in tatters behind. It It's still, I kind of wish there was more to the background, but then again, it does put all the focus on these characters beating the hell out of each other. And I'll tell you, unlike that most recent issue, where the cover never really gets paid off in the issue proper, this one gets paid off for real, because she rips his heart out. That's pretty intense. And we'll talk about that in a bit, but no, I really like this cover. Adriana, do you agree? Yeah, I agree. I like this cover, too. And as far as the the background being a little whacking, he does throw in the debris on the ground, Yeah, which has has some nice detail to it. And uh, you see Puck Elizabeth and Aurora in the background (laughs) sort of looking on in terror and confusion, which, uh, again, like you say, it it all pays off once you actually open up the issue and start reading. Uh, There is no bait and switch moment here. Yeah, I I agree. I I 
the only thing I thought when I was looking at this was I don't quite understand what the two Sasquatches are doing to each other. <laughs> That's true. The arms are positioned in a weird way for punches. I mean, again, I don't want to nitpick here. It's still a cool cover, but, it, you know, having looked at it for a little bit here, I'm kind of like, I don't quite understand what's happening, but it's kind of cool because they're two giant beasts. And like, you know, I've said to y'all before, I love the Sasquatch design. I don't like Walter Langowski as a character, but the big fuzzy dude, I'm, I'm into it. So, so let's talk a little bit about this story here. Uh, Adrian, I'll start with you. Um, how did you, you know, what sort of stuck out to you about the narrative here? Um, was there anything that you found uh, uh, pretty important right away? Well, just the shock of Sasquatch not really being who you think he is. It's interesting because I think Byrne is playing a little bit with reader expectations because he, he sets up this parallel to Bruce Banner with, with Walter and sort of uh, the experiment, the experiments that he does and sort of the trajectory of his character. Uh, and so you you think you know where it's going and that he's going to have a similar breakdown to to Bruce Banner and and and, and the and the sort of um a rage management area but turns out to be a completely different situation which I I appreciate I like that burn is trying to subvert expectations so yeah the the Sasquatch thing definitely stands out and then of course the moment where Snowbird rips his heart out literally is so brutal and awesome. Sure. Those two things, um, I, I would say, are like the two standout moments. Oh, and also the robot battle, which is just cool. Right before the robot battle, we get this training sequence with uh, uh, Talisman and Puck. Um, and I wanted to bring it up to y'all. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I wanted to say something about that, too. Yeah, Adriana, th- let's start with you. What, do you. what did you think about this and... Uh, uh, this whole sequence and is Walter suggesting that they're flirting? What is Walter trying to suggest? I don't understand. Oh, let me pull up that moment because I don't remember what Walter says. He says, "Well, well." So I've seen people at drive-in movies having less of a good time. That was a very strange comment because yeah. I did not think it was appropriate or, or or made sense. Like they were just training, but like what I wanted to point out is the fact that Elizabeth takes to her 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 new role. Very quickly. She really gets into the spirit of being part of the team uh, with this issue and definitely in the next issue. Well, I just found myself, and Doug, I want you to jump in here too, but how long has she been doing this now? Because she's already like besting Puck in rest. Like, all Puck brings to the table. It's not clear. Yeah, right? Like, all, all I'm supposed to believe that he's good at fighting and that she was just a college student before she put magical headband on and yet here she is like kind of getting the best of him in the wrestling match it seemed weird to me what what, Doug, what do you think about this sequence i mean you do need these kind of undetermined gaps between stories right sure to sure, allow sure. that kind of development and to make her more comfortable with her place in the team it still seems you know once she has to actually use her power she still seems pretty unsure about a lot of them we'll see that uh, particularly in the next issue regarding her ability to kind of uh, give a psychic uh, message to people but i mean the the fact that that she's developing her physical skills hey i'd like to see heather maybe jump in there too yeah <laughs> get something going with that as well yeah but uh but who knows maybe that's that, that's happening off panel that we just don't see it um yeah, maybe. and and or it's happened sometime in between i mean 
I like to think that there's gaps here that you could fill in if you wanted to have more adventures for them to go on. But the thing I like most about this uh, issue is that we get to see a good chunk of Alpha Flight working together. And they work together to face off against this threat against, uh, is this Vancouver? Oh, Caliber. Is that what he says? He's in Vancouver? Oh, they're, yeah, they're in Vancouver. And this guy, this giant so, robot mech guy is Caliber. This, and- so here's the thing. He's not a robot, right? He's a guy in a suit. Yeah, is he's that, a guy in a suit, fair? I think. Yeah. I Because I, I wasn't sure. I, you know, they don't say one way or the other. But at a certain point, they, you know, Aurora does the flash in his eyes. And he says, ah, my eyes. Which doesn't <laughs> seem like a thing a robot would say. Um, but they, they show up and they do. I mean, here's why I find think this is interesting. Uh, and Doug, I, I'd love to hear what you think about this. They're doing superhero stuff. This is something we don't actually get to see them do very often, which is there's a supervillain and they and they fight him. They just fight a supervillain. That's pretty cool, right? I like how little development this character has. It's just guy in mech suit with massive weaponry. He's laying waste to the landscape, and they have to jump in and stop him, right? Very traditional superheroics. Uh, I mean, it does – this attack really does take a backseat to what's going to happen in a moment between Snowbird and Sasquatch. But I love that that this, there's at least a suggestion that, hey, when stuff goes down, Alpha Flight, they get together and they do something about it, which is just not something we've seen much of to this point. Well, you know, uh, earlier in the episode, we were talking about Alpha Flight tattoos. Adriana, I know you have a Caliber tattoo because he's such an important character to you. Uh, what did you think of this sequence? I I, I, I love this sequence for largely the same reasons uh, you've already outlined. Like it was, it was a neat moment where we got to see this team actually be a team uh, doing what superhero teams do. So then we get to, you know, what is probably the craziest part here for your reader i mean i, I don't know i i i kind of know knew a little bit where this was all going when we f- first started this show so i wasn't hugely surprised but i imagine if you're a teenager sort of reading this this like uh uh heel turn of sasquatch and death <laughs> you know call of of snowbird to try to murder him has got to be pretty intense uh uh am i am you know for me, this whole end section of the comic, it's all cool. It's all like super awesome. I think. What, what, what Adriana? Did you do you think this is like one of the sort of like stronger plot points that we've seen in the comic? Because that's kind of where I'm at. The uh, the the Sasquatch reveal. Yeah, and Snowbird just basically ripping his dang heart out. Yeah. I I agree, and it was interesting too to see Snowbird be effective. Well, yeah, I was going <laughs> to word it differently, basically, but yeah, be effective, but also become so totally ruthless. Doug, what did you think? As our, you know, you're you're kind of coming into this as a newborn babe, so to speak, a child, a naive, sure. dumb child who doesn't know anything. What did you think of this this uh, uh, <laughs> heel turn and, and, and brutal murder and all this that ended off this uh, issue? I mean, I loved it. I loved it mostly because it felt like it was paying off uh, a few plot lines that Byrne has been setting up for a long time, maybe even since yeah. the very beginning of the series. And and there were things that I, I wasn't sure were going to pay off. I mean, Snowbird has been very much a nothing character up to this point. And, and I hate to say it, but we just really – even her relationship with Doug Thompson has been – lame and not well developed and you can kind of see how like her whole purpose on earth is to take out these 
behemoth characters and she's just kind of sitting back and not really doing anything and it's kind of interesting to see her kind of get chastised for that at the beginning and being like you need to take care of this this is someone that you work with that you're supposed to kill and then she's like okay that's my job that's what i'm going to do and and it the battle itself plays out really well because of the conflicting characters because at that point you're not we haven't been determined to a great extent that Sasquatch has made that heel turn. We haven't seen him like really show that he's evil. So all the characters are confused. They're like, what's going on? And Jean-Marie, even when she finds out, it's like, what are you doing? So you have that, that kind of natural uh, superhero thing where two characters are fighting each other and no one knows why. And the thing that they think is going on at first, it's actually the reverse of that where Snowbird is actually in the right, at least to some extent. And the fact that it ends in such a brutal fashion, I have to say it took me by surprise, but it also felt like the kick in the pants that these characters sort of needed some sort of crisis in their midst that is going to push them onto another adventure. And the fact that this one led directly into the next double-sized issue, It when this was over, I was like, I need to read that. I need to find out what happens next. Yeah, I got to agree. I, I think um, my first response to anything where it's like, actually, his soul is still alive in another realm, I'm like, lame. <laughs> but then knowing that they were going to go to that realm immediately made it cool. You know what I mean? So it kind of like... I did hope that they were going to go to hell. I mean, that's where I really wanted them to go. But, I mean, this is all right, too. Well, well because let's face it, there's there's nowhere else in the afterlife Walter would be. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. I love that. Well, remember, it's not that his soul is where he would go if he died. It's because he, you know, what is it, transposition or something? Yeah, he isn't. Te- yeah. He's technically not really dead. Uh, I- his, his soul is just uh, migrating. Yeah. Uh, I will say that wasn't my favorite aspect of the story, but it does get us to go to this other realm, which I very much enjoy. Um, yeah, I, I love the way this wraps up. I love the turn. Um, I do want to transition to talking about the art before we jump into this double issue. What did y'all think of the art in the issue itself? What sort of stuck out to you? I'll start with you, Adriana. What what, what was uh, what was impressive and, uh, and, and what was lacking? Honestly, like, I can't really think of anything I would say was lacking about the interiors on this issue. Oh, cool. I think it's just a super solid art issue all around. There's a really interesting moment where Aurora uses her powers to blast Caliber, and it's just one single panel where there's no color, except uh, there's some like reddish highlights in, in one of the uh, dialogue bubbles. It's almost like you're being you're being blinded by the light that she is generating. Yeah, Doug, what did you think of the art? I like the art in this issue a lot. I really like the um, the snowbird stuff at the very beginning. Outside of the kind of big splash <laughs> cheesecake uh, picture, the very first one that you see in the issue with snowbird sort of writhing on these kind of uh, pointed sticks in whatever realm exists that the uh, these these uh, elder gods or whatever are, are yelling at her about um, it. I, I still feel very uncomfortable with the sexualization of this character because of her age and how that's been presented. But aside from that, I love all the other uh, other bits uh, in regards to this kind of, I guess if you call it a fantasy sequence or uh, it's going on in, in her mind or something. Or even if she's been transported herself, I just like whenever... Whenever John Byrne gets off sort of the mortal plane and goes somewhere different, he really takes advantage of that fact. And I really, really like the way that he always brings something different to it. And when it comes to the destruction uh, with, with Caliber and his giant mech suit, yeah. I really like that. It kind of reminded me of those 
old Simon Furman Transformers comics from the 1980s. Uh, and, and you know, I, and then that leading right into the Sasquatch fight, which I think comes off really well. Yeah, I'm, I'm with uh, Adriana. The, the, there's some really good comic book art here. So I have a phenomenon I want to point out. You guys probably remember this from back when you read physical issues back in the day. Uh, the <laughs> uh, This first scene where Judd and Elizabeth are wrestling. Uh, all the color in my issue is off by like uh, a couple centimeters. Oh, wow. So there's like white spots at the edges. You know what I mean? Uh, and in fact, uh, part of it isn't even colored right in the top panel judd's lips have no color at all interesting it's entirely white uh and i i know enough about comics to know this is just a printing error but it was just funny because in an issue with so many great so much great rather art to have this weird error that is like i always thought was so strange especially when i was a kid because i didn't understand how like the printing worked so i was like how did this i don't understand how this happened but like in, in one section like his shorts are all flesh colored and it's just funny so anyways i thought i'd put that out um i agree with y'all i think this is a really strong art issue i love the design of all the extra world stuff i i i think i'm still trying i still feel like burn is trying to figure out what talisman's power looks like if that makes sense like i think he's conceptualizing his head what she can do you know what i mean like that she has this sort of disruption power with magic but he hasn't quite always figured out how to like visually show us that power so it looks like she just has laser hands all the time you know she's always doing laser hand things and and uh i i think he's still trying to work out like what should it look like should it be uh, more like straight lines. Sometimes it's kind of curvy and green. Uh, in this one, there's a shot where she, I guess, blasts the evil Sasquatch character, and it's all red. It's. It, I feel like he's still trying to work that out. But w- what's funny is I kind of like that. I like that. It, I. I guess it's probably bad comic booking to have it inconsistent like that. But I kind of enjoy seeing it because it gives him an opportunity to do a lot of different things instead of having to do the same thing over and over again. You know, if you're, let's say, you're drawing, you know, havoc, it's always the same laser blast. <laughs> at least in the eighties. Uh, in this, it's like you know, in this same issue, at one point she lifts her hands up and green goo is coming off of them. It's, <laughs> it's not really clear. And then the next one, it's a big red flash. I kind of like, I like that it's, I, we get such a variety. It's kind of a fun, at least for me, a fun thing. Uh, the one thing I, I think is weird is um, Aurora's scarf. Scarf, that she's, yes. <laughs> she's more sensitive to cold now, but like maybe a hat too. It's just how cool, I, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe I'm being. Uh, it is. It is a, an interesting choice to have her wear a very lengthy scarf to battle. Just a, yeah. It, it's certainly not a battle scarf. You know, like <laughs> it's just a long scarf that, of course, is immediately used to choke her with. It's just a. It's just a weird choice, and the fact that she had to stop, like, because we we see them at the headquarters, and she was like, "I got to change into my super suit." I should probably get a scarf, huh? <laughs> I should get a scarf. It just seemed like a weird choice. I don't know. Um, okay. Anything else you want to say about this issue, which I think we all really liked before we go into uh, issue 24, double issue. Anything else we want to say about 23? All I really want to say is that this is kind of what I was expecting Alpha Flight to be like from the beginning. You know, it, it, doesn't, yeah. it doesn't necessarily have to be the whole group. But, you know, the, the idea that we have like four or five of the members – 
all battling, all working together to overcome some sort of obstacle. There's been so much internal stuff up to this point that you forget that, hey, they're supposed to be a team that, if given the opportunity, can work well together. Uh, and I'm really glad that it was reiterated in this issue and kind of reiterated again in the next. Yeah, I agree. All right, let's jump in here to uh, Alpha Flight, uh, Volume 1, Number 24, from July 1985, written in pencil by the man John Byrne, cover by John Byrne. Yo, Doug, what happens in this double-sized two-year issue, issue 24? All right, so this is a big one. I'll go through it as quickly as I can. So we start, Sasquatch is dead. Walter's corpse has turned to stone, which was not established in the last issue, but it's stone. And his soul is hanging out in this beast's realm. So Heather, Puck, Aurora, Snowbird, and Talisman go to a giant glacier known as the Eye of the World. And Talisman uses her new powers to call upon Shaman and Northstar. And for the first time in a long time, we see Alpha Flight. They fully assembled. Uh, Though Northstar uh, voices his resistance, and Snowbird uses uh, some magic of compulsion to basically force him to join the team and help, which I'm sure will come back at some point. I'm sure he's not going to be too happy about that. So uh, Shaman pulls out this great key from his medicine pouch, and the group, aside from Heather, who stays with Walter's body, they enter the beast realm. And Aurora, Snowbird, and Northstar, once they reach this realm, they use their flying ability to scout ahead, but encounter a character named Soman, uh, the great artificer, uh, who taunts them. Meanwhile, three of the other great beasts, the ones that actually the Alpha Flate has encountered in the past, Tundra, Karlak the Corruptor, and Tolomach the Fire Beast, they attack the rest of the group who run away because it's just too much assembled firepower. Uh, Snowbird takes the form of a polar bear and attack- attacks Soman, distracting him enough that he releases control over the three beasts who immediately start to attack one another. Uh, Shaman has to calm Snowbird in her feral state, and uh, Soman eventually just kind of gives in, says that he'll do whatever they want. Uh, they're trying to, of course, retrieve Walter's soul. Soman instructs the group to find his soul. They re- that in order to find it, they require one who loves him, one who hates him, and someone of great power. And they have to venture into the pit of ultimate sadness beneath the sphere of Fitash Hazrak. Uh, so Aurora, Northstar, and Talisman they go inside because Aurora loves him, Northstar hates him, and apparently Talisman is the most powerful of all of them. They go inside, but Soman reveals it was a trap. Uh, he plunges his kind of massive fingers through their bodies. It seems like it's killed them. Uh, Snowbird then kills Soman, and three streams of energy come from a sphere that's floating above the group, revives the three Alpha Flight members. Shaman recognizes the uh, sphere that saved them is actually the soul of Walter Langowski, just like they wanted. They grab it. They head back to the eye of the world. However, uh, in the meantime, while they were doing this uh, thing, Walter's body has crumbled away to dust, uh, leaving them with nowhere to put the soul. But thankfully, Talisman's psychic call uh, that brought uh, brought the other Alpha Flight members also brought Box. Uh, who we saw a couple of issues again, and he's been keeping Heather company, waiting for the group to return. Shaman puts Walter's soul in the box robot until they can find a more permanent solution. Uh, and then her work done, Snowbird bids Alpha Flight goodbye, saying her time on Earth is complete. Uh, or is it? We find out at the very end that she's hanging out with at Doug Thompson's place, uh, basically uh, not letting the rest of Alpha Flight know that she's going to stay on Earth, but he wants to. Uh, she wants to stay with Doug and have him show her the ways of earthly love. I believe she literally says, show her how to be a woman, which is one of my least favorite lines so far (laughs) in Alpha Flight. I got to agree with you on that one. (laughs) That was, I had a full body shudder when I, when I read that. Before we. But Doug Thompson is such a, you know, he's, he's got so much charisma. You know what? I like that they've switched to just calling him. You know what? Before, 
we get into all the ways that Doug Thompson is going to teach this 14-year-old godchild <laughs> how to be a woman. Let's just talk about this cover. Adriana, what do you think of the cover of issue 24 of this comic book, Alpha Flight? I'll just describe the cover real quick for the folks at home. Uh, we're shown a view from above of what looks like a fiery underworld, but uh, what is in fact the realm of the great beasts, which is where all of the uh, gods of the north reside. And uh, Alpha Flight are smack dab in the middle and are surrounded on all sides by these beasts. And there's a lot of detail in this cover. There's a lot of texture to the terrain and the smoke coming up from the ground. Each beast also has their own color, uh, so they all stand out really well. Um, I like this cover. Doug, what do you think of the cover of issue number 24? I feel conflicted about it, Liam. It's it's kind of a mess, but I think it's intentionally meant to be messy. I mean, it is supposed to be almost like a hellscape, right? With the, the, our, our Alpha Flight characters surrounded by just kind of this scary... Uh, almost demonic imagery. I mean, you could easily mistake this for hell, as opposed to um, what the the beast lair, whatever the hell they are. But it's it's. I do think it's very eye catching. It's nice that we get to see what the colors of the location might actually look like, because in the issue itself, we don't get to see that, which we'll talk about. Um, but I do think it's eye catching. But I also think when you, the more you stare at it, or at least the more I stare at it, the less I like it. I kind of hate this cover. Mm. I don't like the color scheme. It looks, I know it's supposed to look chaotic, but it just looks messy to me. I think it's a, considering what the actual planet is like, it feels like a bit of a bait and switch that doesn't pay off in an interesting way for me. I just don't like it. Uh, I think I like when uh, Burn has all kinds of weird details, like which I think we see in the issue itself on this strange planet, but the cover feels... Like, just so much stuff going on that doesn't really make sense for me. It's not... I guess what I mean to say is it doesn't feel visually engaging. It's not bad as a as whatever, but it, it doesn't really, like, grab my attention in a real way. And certainly not for an issue that is the big, double-sized, two-year issue. You know what I mean? Like, I want something that, for me, feels epic, and this doesn't feel epic to me in that way. But, you know, again... I'll, Obviously, this is all just a, a taste thing, but it just looks, it, to me, it looks kind of ugly. I will say that I'm also uh, comparing what my actual cover looks like to the digital cover, and the colors are a lot more um, pronounced on the digital cover, mm. and I think I, uh, I, I still don't like it, but at least it makes a little more sense on my real-world cover in front of me. Um, it all just looks orange except for the yellow underneath them and the white of the fire. Oh, I and see. And he's green and there's a purple hand. So it all kind of mushes together as a bunch of black lines with orange. And uh, it, it don't look great. It don't look great uh, for me. Um, uh, and I don't think it's just like a mistake. Like I think there is a vibe he's going for. It just doesn't quite work for me. Um, which is interesting because I feel like the art and the rest of the issue is really good, but yeah. we'll get there. Mm-hmm. Doug, what did you make of the narrative of this final conflict? Uh, I have to say, Liam, uh, I love this story. issue. I really, really do. Uh, it's so weird 
Yeah. And maybe I didn't know I was looking for that in Alpha Flight. I didn't know I really wanted things to get kind of weird and very mystical and very strange. But this this issue leans really heavily into that. And like even the idea of Walter's body having sure. turned to stone and them having to go into this underworld and get his soul and bring it back and yeah. encounter all of these kind of ancient beasts. I really liked all of it. And it. I honestly think that some of the art in this is maybe Burns best that I've ever seen, even including the work I've seen him do on Fantastic Four. Once they get to this this world, it's, it gets kind of Jack Kirby-esque where you get like incredible detail i also love when they go from the glacier to the underworld all those you know it, it's supposed to be basically stuff's going crazy and they they kind of have to hold on to themselves as they're transitioning to this place and it gives burn an excuse to draw all sorts of weird stuff which i love that as well uh i just think he pulls it off really really well i found the plot engaging i i will say that the aspect of this character who kind of rules the underworld that he's controlling these creatures. And then by distracting him and the creatures fight each other. I really love that. But I did find that it alpha flight seemed very naive to trust him when they best him briefly. And then he just immediately kills three of their members who are just wandering around in pitch black. Um, but it all worked out uh, at the end. And again, I just love to see all of these characters working together towards a common goal. This I think is no, no other issue of Alpha Flight that we've gone through so far made me care more about this team and wanting to continue with the story than this one. Wow, that's a that's some big uh, praise from from Doug Tilly. I really, I really loved it. I really did. Adriana, uh, here we are, issue twenty four. Doug finally understands why we like this comic book. I'm wondering <laughs> if uh, if you feel as over the moon as Doug does about issue number twenty four. No, th- this is definitely my favorite issue so far too. I completely agree with everything Doug said. Also, Final Conflict is sounds like the name of a hardcore band. It is definitely in the name of our. I mean, that's you know, it's 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 not just the name of the one that everyone is thinking of who knows that band, but it's probably the name of like five other bands who didn't know that one existed already. But yeah, definitely it is the name. So you were also just as stoked on it. Yeah, and uh, I mean, I I think I mean the art in this issue is so good, and um, I I can't wait to sort of dive into that aspect of it when 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 we get to it, but. You know, Doug, you said you y- you didn't necessarily anticipate wanting Alpha Flight to to be really weird, but I definitely wanted Alpha Flight to get weird, and I think it sort of has been weird over the last several issues. Um, definitely with the uh, Gilded Lily stuff, but um, this definitely delivers on that big time. I did not like this issue. What? What? Uh, no, it's, I mean, I'm not saying that anyone is wrong to like it. I'm saying that, uh, I really enjoy the art. I really like the idea of what, what they're doing of going to this other world, but I just didn't really have that much fun with it. I I guess I don't love them just fighting these giant monsters the way that it works out. It just, it feels like. I don't know. It's it, it, it's just not, for me, that engaging or interesting. And I hated everything about the pit of ultimate whatever. I thought Pit of ultimate stupid. sadness, Liam. Um, Respect the pit. Yeah, they go down. and First of all, 
first of all, there's a pit with all the souls from the planet. That it, That's stupid. And then they go down there, and of course it's a trap, which is obviously a trap. And then uh, Shaman's like, oh, wait, this weird ball has been Walter the whole time. My bad. And then he gives some of his soul to bring them back to life, thus making sure that there's no stakes. Because I didn't care about Walter from the beginning, so the whole time I'm like, I hope they don't bring his soul back. And then they do bring his soul back, but the body's gone. And then we got to kick Box out of his newly redone box so Walter could get into the box. I don't like anything about this issue. That's not true. There are a lot of things I like about the issue. It's just it's just funny to me because both of y'all are so stoked. <laughs> like, we're finally here. Alpha Flight has finally arrived. And I'm like, eh, this is about this is about a mid-level for me. You know, <laughs> cool art. Story's kind of dumb. It's fine. I don't hate it, but it, it's not one that really connects with me. Uh, I would take a few issues we've read already above this one easily. Um, yeah, I don't know. I just don't. I guess this whole uh, idea of the great beasts are just on this other planet. Um, and then we only see. So this is what I don't understand. We have this one guy, right, who is the artificer or whatever. And then all the other beasts are dead. He's just the last one. Like, there's no one else. That's all of them. I don't know. I, I, I didn't really get the sense of whether – I know that he just kind of destroys stuff on a whim. But if there's more on this planet or whatever you might call it, the further you explore it. Yeah, it's, I, I would have preferred seeing other – I would like to see more than just the characters we've already seen. You know? Um, I do feel like since it is the kind of two-year anniversary, it's meant as mo- more of a summation yeah. of everything that we've seen up to this point. So in that sense, the kind of special appearances by these characters you've seen before kind of works for me. I, yeah, I guess so. I I, I guess I'm always that... that so this is sort of similar uh, to my response to a lot of things where it's like, well, this makes sense because we're wrapping up, we're putting a bow on all the things you've seen before. And for me, I'm like, I don't want the bow, I want the new thing. I want constant <laughs> new things. I want the weirdest, <laughs> craziest thing I didn't see coming. Uh, apply that logic to all the big media things that people are talking about right now, and that's how I feel about all of them. <laughs> Why is there not some new crazy thing? You know, like my response to, for example, Endgame is like, this all makes sense, which is why I don't love it. Because it all <laughs> makes sense. This is exactly how it should have ended, which is a bummer. Like, that's, that's, I, you know, I, we're going to a whole new world. Show me something new. And all I got new was like, sad white guy who, like, uh, as soon as you get close to him and give him a good punch, he's like, oh no, oh no, you got me with your bear. You're a bear. And you, you got, I'm so powerful. I'm so powerful, Snowbird. You couldn't possibly comprehend it. Oh no, you're a bear. I just noticed that Aurora is still wearing her scarf, even though they're in this mystical yeah. land. Well, well, and it, it, well, everyone is cold. To be fair, everyone is cold, but it's like a, a soul cold. Well, hopefully, that's a very strong scarf. I um, I kind of like the fact that the artificer was so easily defeated because he's kind of yeah. he's just this very fragile man who is warding over this universe that he's created to make himself feel powerful but the second he's confronted with a with a strong woman <laughs> he uh he just immediately crumbles uh so i thought that was a very interesting dynamic no i appreciate that and i'm glad that y'all i especially am glad even more than you john i'm glad that doug liked it because doug has been our cranky gus this whole time every issue he's just whining about how alpha flight is not you know 
pleasing his Canadian heart. So to finally hear him like super stoked on an issue makes me very happy. Well, because if it makes me feel like they're all building towards Marina coming <laughs> back and leading <laughs> Alpha Flight. Yeah. Possibly. I'm sure she could have really found some water on this planet to smush this guy with. That would have been really do, great. Do you think when the psychic call went out from Talisman that Marina heard it and she's like, whatever, dude. <laughs> I actually like the idea that this would all wrap up, they all leave, and then she shows up like, where is everybody? What's going on? Kind of, it just took me a while to ride the water out here. It's far. It's far. Um so I, you know, I'm being dismissive. I do think there is a lot of actually good, and it's this is certainly better than even in this episode we covered issue 22. <laughs> it's you know it's better than 22 for sure, uh, and and there's a lot to like. It's just not for me. It wasn't my favorite, and I, and I think it really is like a it's like a plotting thing. This is you know the rest of the team is fighting th- these big creatures that feel irrelevant and not really doing much against them. And and I just didn't find that super engaging for me personally. That being said, I like y'all think the art is pretty amazing. So let's talk about the art from this issue. Um, Go ahead, Adriana, you're raring to go to talk about it. Well, just the one thing I want to highlight about the art um, is I, I find the choice to use color sparingly to be very interesting the art that we see is sort of just it's in black and white with little uh, embellishments of color and i th- i think the art team does a really good job of making this world look otherworldly like just with uh the detail of the terrain and the ornate architecture but the lack of coloration actually makes it feel otherworldly too uh and it creates this eerie sort of mood and uh you have this character uh the artificer and his creation, as his name implies, is illusion. It's not real. And so the only things that actually appear in color are the are the people who are real, like the Alpha Flight, the characters who have life. I mean, I, I, I agree. I, I personally think the idea that nothing is real was one of the things I didn't like about this issue only because it never pays off. Like they never address, like they say it three, t- four times as they go to the, nothing is real, nothing is real, nothing is real. And then they get there and they never really do anything about that. And in fact, he easily tricks them when they should have been saying, oh, wait, nothing here is real and, and realize that. <laughs> so that, that kind of bummed me out. But as far as the design of it, it makes sense in a, re- in a, in a really powerful way. And in fact, I like that take more. I, I was just thinking that the world they were in was so drained of life that it was even drained of color. But I think the idea that you had that um, he, because it is his creation, it doesn't have the color of life, of reality, the way that they do. I think that's really, really powerful, and it makes a lot of sense. I also think the detail on the you know the backgrounds and the layout whatever it's really stunning some of it feels very like his style some of it feels kind of kirby-esque you know it reminded me of mobius a little oh bit. you know yeah what? i agree that's, that's, yeah totally that's very good yeah doug what do you think what stood out to you about the art in this issue well liam i don't want to be a cranky head like you have so often accused me of being yeah but i at least need to breach the idea that maybe this land is all in black and white because this is a double-sized issue. And John Byrne thought it might be a little easier to have a whole <laughs> landscapes where they didn't have to color it. Um, then you again, I mean, him, someone else. You hear him, Adriana? He's always talking stuff. Just saying it's a possibility. It's plausible and and probably 
also likely. I don't know. But I I like to give the artists a little bit more credit because I I do think um, comic book artists put a lot of of thought and attention uh, into what they do. Absolutely. I mean, and I think, again, I don't want to even suggest, (laughs) as we might have in the past, that this is based on laziness. It might be just based on deadlines with this sheer amount of work because the detail is so intense here. But frankly, I think this art would look worse with color on it. I think you would lose... Some of the now I need to point specifically to the two page splash and it's the uh, chapter three because uh, this, this issue is kind of broken into chapters. It says chapter three, the shattered lands is a two page kind of landscape, amazingly detailed part of the issue. It's the first maybe it might be the first thing I've seen in the run of Alpha Flight so far that I'd be like, you print that out, put it on my wall, man, I would be happy with that as a piece of art. There's just so much going on. There's so much to look at. It has that mixture of kind of technology, and then there's also like skulls hanging around. I mean, it really is an amazing piece. And I, and I just going back to what I said, I feel like it would lose something if you started coloring that in and adding sort of sci-fi colors to it. Like, unless you went all crazy Kirby colors, that would be all right. But I mean, I really like how this issue looks. I like that it makes it feel more barren. Yeah. Uh, and more otherworldly. Uh, and it does kind of, you know, especially because we do see on the cover when this is colored in, to me, it, it looks a little messy. Here it looks clean. I mean, it, it looks clean and, and kind of overfull and crumbling at the same time. I really, really do love the art in this issue. Uh, like I said, the from the part where they transition into the location to to all the even the way that the artificer looks in the issue, that he's kind of blending in with the background because he's the same color. But it, it there's just so much to the look of him. I'm not sure I could. If I was told, I don't have much drawing skill, but if I was told to draw what that character looks like, I'm not sure the design is something that I have a mental hold on, but that's okay because, you know, I don't know how much, how much we're going to see this character again. But also in this idea of this being illusion, of this being something a little temporary, uh, it's almost like he's making himself bigger and more important than he actually is until, you know, as, uh, Adriana mentioned, all it took was, uh, one <laughs> angry polar bear to take him down for good. Um, I really like it. I love the art in this issue. I, I really think this is John Byrne's uh, greatest accomplishment uh, in Alpha Flight up to this point. It really does feel like he is working on uh, – I mean he really is working on another level. Yeah, I agree with you all. I think it's uh, one of the most visually stunning sort of issues. Um, I am – very impressed by the design of the the whatever it is the land of the beasts or is that what it is the land of the beasts the <laughs> something like i that. even <laughs> like you know so the idea here for 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 uh in case people haven't read the issue is that they all gather in this crater that's supposed to be this um path gateway to the other world uh and then um shaman you know lifts up this key and magics them all there and even the sequence of various realms that they're passing through as they head to this realm it's so good and it's got so much weirdness Mm -hmm. and weird layers and some of it looks very organic and some of it looks very technological it's very very good and i have to agree the design of the artificer it, it he's got I mean, he's basically wearing shoulder pads and everything is really droopy over him. So it's sort of hiding his actual form. It's it's I just think that everything about the design in this issue is just 
awesome and impressive and um, really shows, you know, a little bit of why um, people love Byrne so much and love what he does. So, yeah, I, I got to say, um, I, I didn't love all the aspects of the story for uh, this double-sized issue, but um, it was well worth it just for this art uh, that I think really really takes Alpha Flight to another level. I want to I wanna say the one thing we didn't really talk about at all when we were talking about the story was this last story note, which is Snowbird is going to abdicate her duties and spend her life with Doug, and Doug is going <laughs> to teach her how to be... A real woman. Adrian, I'm sure you love this aspect of the story. You want to talk about it a little bit? Oh, yeah. It's great. <laughs> she she really was kind of like the MVP of this issue in a lot of ways. So it, it's totally great to see her going from like action woman to how we see her in the last moment of this issue. Also, wasn't the last time we see her with Doug the moment where she's like about to re- reveal her true face to him? Yeah. Oh, right. So, what happened with that? Like, what? I guess he was. I guess he was fine with it. Like, but that never really gets addressed. Well, I mean, I think that was uh, a great episode talking about some fun issues from twenty two. Possibly one of the worst, not not the worst, <laughs> but one of the worst we've covered to twenty four. Apparently, one of the best. So, uh, I I really I really think we we played the gamut there, and I and I like that a lot. Um, if you. Uh, if you do have access to a poster of uh, the big splash from this issue, go ahead and send it to Doug. Just write Doug Tilly on it, put it on the back of a goose, and it'll take him take it on up there to Canada for him, uh, and he'll appreciate. Thank you. That. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you all for joining us here for uh, episode ten, uh, a big old three issue episode uh, of the flight stuff. Hopefully, you'll join us back here for uh, episode eleven. We'll be covering half of a, the next story arc with uh, issues 25 and 26 of Alpha Flight. Uh, Adriana, if people want to uh, check up with us on Twitter, what is what is our Twitter handle? Our Twitter handle is at FlightStuffPod. And what if they want to follow you on the social medias? I think that would be ill-advised. Okay. No, just kidding. <laughs> if they want to follow me, then they can find me at EADXBB. What about you, Doug? What, what if they want to follow you on the social medias? Uh, I'm easy to find, Liam. You can find me on Twitter at Doug underscore Tilly. That's T-I-L-L-E-Y. And they should check out uh, your other podcast, No Budget Nightmares. What what what's what are you guys covering next? Over at No Budget Nightmares, which you can find at No Budget Podcast on Twitter or at NoBudgetNightmares.com. Uh, our next uh, episode features the 2012, I believe it is, uh, film The Amazing Bulk, which you haven't heard of it. It is a superhero movie, so it does kind of fit in with the flight stuff. But it was made uh, almost entirely with pre-rendered uh, CG elements. So so previously created, someone decided to take those, film people against a green screen, and make a movie out of it. And it is something else. Yeah, that sounds unbelievable. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you should keep up with Cinepunks. Uh, you can check out Cinepunks at Cinepunks.com. That's punks with an X. Uh, and on social media, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram are all uh, Cinepunks at Cinepunks uh, with an X. Uh, and you can find me on Twitter at Liam Rules, R-U-L-Z. Thanks again. Uh, We're so glad you joined us here, and hopefully you'll continue with us as we fly with Alpha Flight. Flight stuff out! (laughs) 